Supergirl Radio is about to hit 100 episodes, and we are inviting you to help us celebrate. If you'd like to share your favorite moments from the first 99 episodes, what you like about the podcast, or just want to brag about how awesome Teresa, Carly, and Morgan are, you have several ways to do it. As always, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Supergirl Radio or post a comment to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash supergirlradio. And now we're introducing a voicemail number, so if you'd like to reach out to us that way, you can call us at 678-718-7252. We hope to hear from you soon, and as always, thanks for listening to Supergirl Radio. DC announces the Big Bad for the four-show crossover. The Supergirl production office is raising money for charity. And we shine a spotlight on Superman. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode, we are joined by Mike Zumo of the Man of Screen podcast to shine a character spotlight on the last son of Krypton. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, this this is a kind of a no-brainer to bring you in for this episode because uh, we're going to be talking about all of the portrayals of Superman, whether it be television or animation, and you're kind of, that's kind of your thing, right? Yeah, that, that's a bit. I first came to Superman through the adapted media, so I came to the comics later. The TV and the movies are kind of my wheelhouse. All right, well, that's awesome. Well, but before we get to that, let's get to the news. DCComics.com has announced the big bad of the four-show DC TV crossover. The Dominators from the three-issue comic crossover event called Invasion, which we talked a little bit about in our Snapper Car Spotlight, are going to be causing problems for our favorite superheroes. DC Comics' press release had this to say about the Dominators. Quote, The Dominators are a sinister, technologically advanced alien race who view Earth's tendency to generate superpowered people as a sign that humans may essentially evolve to be genetically superior. So, naturally, they decide to wipe us out before that ever becomes a problem. Unquote. It sounds very sinister, as the description reads. Um, It's interesting, though, that they're saying that they're trying to wipe out i guess it sounds like they're trying to wipe out the superheroes and then everybody else by extension um considering there's a pretty fair amount of superheroes though i'd say we're already a problem (laughs) 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 but um they're too late yeah they're too late we're already in charge um no it'll be interesting i think to see that to see a group of 
bad guys take on another group. Cause I think in the past we've seen, I mean, on Supergirl, we've seen like kind of a Kryptonian group, but they're always tend to be led by one person. So I don't know if it's going to be kind of more of a faceless enemy where there isn't really one leader that steps to the front. Um, or we are going to get somebody that's kind of like the head alien, but I'm excited. Plus aliens, more aliens, <laughs> always more aliens. Yeah. There's a lot coming then. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts about this news? Yeah, it sounds exciting. It sounds like, um, a, a good villain for a crossover, I think, because that it works for all of the different shows. I mean, it does seem like the dominators are making their own problems. Like if they think that they could just kind of leave earth alone and then earth would never know about them. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, that would make sense. Yeah. It's like, or don't visit. I don't know. <laughs> like they're like, we're here now and they know about us. They can wipe us out. It's like, if you didn't, if you didn't come here though, you'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems like the smart thing to do. Um, Mike, do you have any thoughts about, uh, the dominators or are you familiar with invasion at all? Yeah, I am familiar with invasion. I read these when I was collecting comics when I was in, in high school. You know, this is not something I ever thought we'd see on, on TV. I mean, the, the way I understand the dominators is they're, they're schemers. So they, they usually employ other aliens to kind of do their work. So I'd be very surprised if we're going to see just dominators. We might see them recruit some other aliens or whatever. But but during the during the invasion arc, basically what their goal was was to wipe out the metahumans because they diagnosed the metahumans as the problem. Mm. So they rounded up a bunch of humans and basically killed ten scores of humans at a time to see who had the metagene. Oh. And that's how our favorite Snapper Carr got his teleportation. Oh, he was Snapper one Carr. of the few to survive. Yeah. They look very sinister with the big yellow heads and the big teeth. I, I went ahead and bought Invasion because after Snapper and now this, I feel like I need to read Invasion because it keeps coming up. So, yeah, it is it is kind of creepy looking. It's a good story. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite DC crossovers. And the red dot on their head, that signifies their rank. So the bigger the red dot, the uh, more important the Dominator. Oh. It's going to be interesting to see how they translate this onto TV. Awesome. That's good to know. And it's also worth noting that Mark Guggenheim in the press release mentions the Legion of Superheroes. So uh, it's a good thing we did that uh, character spotlight on the Legion because <laughs> maybe they're going to be a thing uh, in season two of Supergirl. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not, you know, getting my hopes up about Snapper Carr getting his teleportation ability. <laughs> um, but <laughs> It's I'm not I'm, I'm not all ruling about it snapper, out basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm not ruling it out, but that would be pretty. <laughs> how, nice. how, how does this four show crossover affect Snapper? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that is the question everyone should be asking. Uh, but this sounds really fun, and I think this is like you guys said. Like I think this is going to be a good villain for a because now we have a really big group of superheroes who have a lot of powers and abilities. So they need to keep having villains who are, in a way, bigger than them, um, grander than them. So some something that they really have to fight against. So I think this is going to be a uh, good group for them to uh, to try to defeat. Seriously, though, Snapper Carr. <laughs> I know. I, I just I just need him to have his robot hand. <sighs> 
That would be amazing. I mean, obviously, you got to work up to that. Like, for me, this this whole season is just the arc to get to Snapper's robot hand. <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing about it. I'm serious about that. I'm... Oh, no, no. No one here is joking. <laughs> I think that's the best part. Like, we are dead serious about, about Snapper Car and his robot hand. We don't joke about that. Snapper Car and his robot hand on one side. Jimmy Olsen, Turtle Boy on the other. Or Turtle Man now. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Just unleash the crazy. Unleash the ridiculousness. (laughs) Uh, When asked about the season two premiere, EW.com's Natalie Abrams revealed that actress Brenda Strong has joined the show in a recurring role. What does everybody think about this? Um, Carly, uh, what are your thoughts? I think she's the doctor. (laughs) I'm guessing. I I feel like they... It would make sense that they would cast her as the doctor because she is an older, more mature actress. And that would be an exciting actress to play that role because she's kind of she's good at Brenda Strong is is funny because I've actually seen her and I do a lot of like guest spots on stuff. And I was joking at one point during my Star Trek watch, I, I had paused to watch an episode of Gilmore Girls and Brenda Strong was in that episode. And then I went back to watch star trek next generation and brenda strong was in that episode too (laughs) it was hilarious but she was playing two completely different characters and it was you know easily you could easily buy her in either role like she was a pta mom on gilmore girls and then i don't even remember who she played on next gen but so i feel like she could definitely pull off a role that's as diabolical as the leader of Project Cadmus. So I'm think- I'm crossing my fingers that that's the part that she's playing. Yeah, we have heard from or read from previous reports that the doctor is, quote, the diabolical female lead of Project Cadmus who uses her surgical skills to implant prisoners with alien technology, unquote. So I wonder if this is related to the Dominators. I wonder if she's in cahoots with them. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts about Brenda Strong? Yeah, I'm excited. I like Brenda Strong. Like uh, like Carly was saying, she has been in everything basically. So uh, <laughs> so I think we've all had a had the opportunity to see her in at least something. Uh, and she's always good. So I'm excited. I think that that it sounds like she would be this this doctor character. Uh, and I obviously I always like it when um, we get female villains on Supergirl. So bring her on. Yeah, and I my encounter with Brenda Strong is from the Dallas reboot on TNT. Oh, she, yeah, she was great in that. She was very great. I mean, she would take guns around and and uh, <laughs> ride horses. She was awesome. She was, you know, she was a, a I don't want to say a cowgirl, but she she was, uh, she got around in Dallas, and she, uh, she did a lot of crazy things on that show. Um, Mike, what, do you know anything about Brenda Strong? Apparently, she was on Fear the Walking Dead, so I saw her there, but I really – she didn't stand out to me. She must have been a guest star or something, but I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing what she's got. So the Supergirl production office uh, tweeted out that they're participating in the Real Thanksgiving Food Drive along with 30 other productions, and it's spelled R-E-E-L. Clever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a two-week event, and 100% of the proceeds will go to the Vancouver Food Bank. If you would like to donate to the cause and help them be real-life superheroes, you should follow them on Twitter. They're at SupergirlProd. Uh, 
And you'll be able to find the fundraising link in their bio section and check out um, our show notes in this episode. Yeah, I think it's an awesome thing to to do. I, th- I think they're competing against other shows in Vancouver. So all the other production offices are competing um, to raise as much money as they can. So if anybody has a few dollars to spare, help them out. Uh, because I think that's an awesome thing that they are doing, especially at this time of year. And as for our last bit of news, uh, the CW released a new superhero fight club. They did one last year. And so they have a new superhero fight club promo featuring Supergirl sort of being inducted into the club and joining characters from the other CW universe shows. In order to see the full clip, though, you have to download the CW app to your phone. Uh, Did everybody get a chance to watch this? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I sadly I did it. not. Uh, well, uh, Carly, uh, what were your thoughts on this? I liked it so much. <laughs> it was just so much fun to finally see all these characters, not all of them, but like the superheroes in the room together fighting, even though it was, you know, the, it was this kind of setup where they're fighting the, the simulated like targets that Cisco and Felicity are throwing at them from the other room. And we got to see Hank Henshaw turn into <laughs> John Jones, which was really exciting because it's the first, it's his first, uh, the first CGI appearance that he's made on the CW. And he still looks really good. Yep. So in case people oh were God. worried about, in case people were worried about the special effects not being as great, I'm here to tell you, he looks awesome. And, Diggle's reaction to Hank revealing himself as Martian Manhunter is priceless. Um, he, he literally loses his lunch. He li- <laughs> not not in the way not, not, in, not, in, not way. in the normal way, but not in the he does not in the na- nausea way. But he yes, he literally he literally drops his burger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was so much fun. It was like Supergirl, Sarah Lance, uh, Oliver, Barry. Uh, Firestorm. Am I am I missing anybody? I think that was it in the room. Oh, and Adam. Yeah. Which, it yeah. You'll uh, Morgan. You'll have to watch it because I think it part it partly satisfies your desire to have Brandon Routh and Melissa Benoist in the same room, even though they don't make a reference to Brandon Routh looking like <laughs> looking like Clark. <laughs> I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so much fun. It's a great. I feel like it's a great hint of what what could be to come from the big crossover. Um, I love seeing uh, Supergirl interact with Arrow for the first time. <laughs> it was hilarious because there's a whole scene where they basically like quote kidnap Supergirl, but she's like, you know, I could have escaped at any time. Right. <laughs> it completely. She's handcuffed to a chair, completely breaks the cuffs off. And the look on Oliver's face is amazing. Cause he was like, what? 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 Uh. <laughs> yeah. She might've sh- I, showed off a little bit. A little. I think I just want, I just want Oliver Queen to be completely dumbfounded around Supergirl though. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was good. The, the special effects look really good, um, and it was it was awesome to see all of them fighting together. And I don't want to brag on myself, but I'm fairly <laughs> sure I predicted this because back a little while a little while back we talked about uh, I think Stephen Amell had tweeted out a picture of some of them hanging out together. And I was like, I think they're going to do another promo. I think they're going to do another fight club. He did. And yep. That's did. yeah. I think that was it. 
that was it because it was White Canary, right? The picture mm-hmm. was White Canary, Flash, mm-hmm. and Supergirl, and uh, uh, Arrow. Yep. And I think even so. Adam might have been in there as well in the picture. Yeah. Um, but I also got you a, called it. I did, I did, and I I got a I got a little bit of a laugh out of it because in the video they play and Cisco sings along with yeah. Guns and Roses, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. And every time I hear that so. song now, I think about Megamind. I don't know if y'all have seen that, but it's an animated movie uh, starring Will Ferrell and Tina Fey, and it's one of the b- most beautiful movies in the whole wide world, and everybody should watch it. But there's a a moment at the end of the movie where they play Welcome to the Jungle. And it's I I, I shouldn't spoil it for people because it's kind of a big reveal. But that song always makes me think of Megamind. So (laughs) and there's also in Megamind, Megamind uses these like mechanical orb things when he he's like a supervillain. And so that's what he uses. So the thing that they had in the fight club room that was like throwing all those orbs at them, I was like, are they drawing inspiration for Megamind? Because this feels like a whole Megamind vibe in this video. So that actually made me really happy. It was so good. Cisco singing uh, Welcome to the Jungle in the falsetto was perfect. He nailed it. <gasps> yeah. yeah. So good. There's a little tease of the singing to come, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's right. The musical. So that, that, was, that was good time. So if you would like to see that full video, you'll uh, need to download the CW app. Well, I think that's going to do it for all of our news. And since Superman will be making an official appearance this season, he he kind of popped up a little bit in season one, but he'll now officially make an appearance in the second season of Supergirl. Uh, We decided to invite Mike Zumo to Supergirl Radio to help us learn more about the various portrayals of his character. And um, that's right up your alley, like we said, Mike Zumo, uh, because you do uh, the Man of Screen podcast. And you cover all the different screen portrayals of the character. So we are glad to have you on for this. Um, is is there something that you can just... I know, like, Superman has such a, a big history. Um, but can you briefly explain the hows and the whys and maybe even the when of, of Superman's creation? Basically, it was a about a five-year process. Wherein there was an original story, I believe it was 1933, by Jerry Siegel called... Reign of the Superman, where Superman was basically was a villainous character and uh, with with psychic abilities. But at some point, Siegel and Schuster kind of retooled the character because they wanted to sell it for newspaper strips. Apparently, it, there was no there was no such thing as a superhero at that time. So, I think it was Jerry Siegel. He seemed to be more of the uh, the brains behind the creation, while Joe Schuster was contributed as an artist, he was Siegel was trying to sell it to newspapers and actually parted ways with Schuster for a time, which in 1935, 1936 area to work with somebody else because he felt Schuster was a little inexperienced, mm. which actually caused Schuster to basically tear up just about every Superman drawing he ever did. Oh no. So, <laughs> but eventually it didn't work out with the, the other artist. I forget his name. And, Schuster and uh, Siegel got back together, and at some point by 1938, they were convinced that Superman really wouldn't go anywhere. So they just kind of decided to cut their losses and sell them to Detective Comics Company, 
at that time. So they sold Superman outright to, D- to what became DC Comics for basically $130. <laughs> That's crazy. Whoa. That is. And, well, it, it went very far. <laughs> yes, it, it was a success, uh, clearly. It was, and, and it br- ushered in the, it created the superhero. That's very true. Be without, it. without Superman, they wouldn't. Maybe we'd have these other guys. Maybe we wouldn't. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's something to think about. If uh, you know what would have happened if Superman had not been created, would we be doing this podcast? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so so many questions. Um, the darkest timeline. <laughs> yeah, the the, the, time, <laughs> the timeline without Superman is the dark darkest timeline. Um, right. But but yeah, so Superman was uh, created in uh, 1938, and his first appearance was in Action Comics number one. And I would like to mention that Lois Lane was also in Action Comics number one. So Lois Lane was right there with Superman in the beginning. Um, yes, she was. So uh, so that that is a very a long history for the character, and it's it's good to see that he has uh, kind of stuck around uh, for so long. So, in terms of live action portrayals, the very first embodiment of Superman in live action was Ray Middleton, who suited up to make an appearance at the 1939 New York World's Fair for Superman Day. <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike, had you seen this before? Yeah, I've seen this before. This yeah. is about all of this that I've seen. I had no idea that this was a thing, and uh, I think it's it's amazing that there's footage of it, um, it that it's lasted. I mean, 1939 that was that was a long time ago, you guys. Um, so yeah. to to see that that kind of stuck around, and he's he's on a float. I don't know if it's supposed to be a building or not, Mike. Um, I don't know if you can correct me on that, but he's just kind of riding a float around in the and he's in the Superman suit. He's got the red boots and the blue tights and the red undies and the cape and the S shield and everything. So he he's Superman. You would recognize him today as Superman. And then in the forties, uh, Fleischer Studios brought Superman to life in the form of a total of seventeen animated short films. Uh, Fletcher Studios used two models named Mayo Khan and Carol Krosner to help them with rotoscoping. Uh, and Superman and Clark Kent were voiced by actor Bud Kohler, uh, who went on to perform the role on the Adventures of Superman radio show and the New Adventures of Superman TV series. So, Mike, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts about the Fleischer Superman? The Fleischer stuff, that's, that's just really great Superman. I'm, the stories aren't very deep. They clock in at about seven, eight minutes each. They're just a, they're just straight up adventure. And there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of stories save for Lois getting in trouble and Mm. Superman uh, coming to save her, but they're just just straight up adventure. Usually Superman fighting robots, mad scientists, anything you would expect from an, from an action comic story of that time, basically, you know, they're just, they're just a lot of fun. And if you just want to sit down and watch Superman, that's about as pure as, as pure as it gets. And interestingly enough, the Fleischers is where he flew for the first time. Oh. Because the, at that point in the comics, he was still leaping. That's right. An, eight, an eighth of a mile. But it turns out the animators said it was easier for them to animate flight as opposed to leaping. <laughs> so that is basically where the, the ability to fly came from. I had forgotten that because sometimes I get that mixed up with the radio show because a lot of things were introduced on the radio show. The radio show was around at this time already. So they just imported Bud Collier 
from the radio show to do the voice of Superman. And Bud Collier did a lot of the things that every other Superman actor does to uh, differentiate. He was the first to do the deeper voice for Superman, which I always got annoyed at myself because I failed to mention that in when I covered the Fleischers. Because Superman doesn't really talk a lot in the Fleischer cartoons. He's very silent. Not a lot of voice acting. It's all visual. The real star of the Fleischer shorts is the animation, which, to my, in my opinion, still holds up today. Oh, yeah. It's it's stunning. It's actually, the yeah, the animation is, is something you would, you would show. Uh, I mean, I would show a kid now today, and they would still enjoy it. So I, I think that the Fleischer animated shorts of Superman is, if you're a Superman fan, they're a must-see. Uh, you you need to watch them because they are fantastic. Well, in going back to live action portrayals, Kirk Allen donned the S-Shield in 1948 and 1950 in the form of two 15-part black and white Superman serials. The first is commonly referred to as Superman the Serial and its sequel, Adam Man vs. Superman. So, uh, Mike, I haven't seen a ton of these. I think I've seen a little bit of Adam Man versus Superman. I, I'm pretty sure you covered that on the Man of Screen podcast. Um, what are your thoughts on the Superman serials? I call Kirk Allen the forgotten Superman. Hmm. Because if you, you ask 10 people who the first actor to play Superman was, probably eight or nine of them will tell you George Reeves. Hmm. Because of how long that show lasted in syndication. After the serial era ended in the 50s he's kind of disappeared probably until the 50th anniversary in 1988 so there wasn't a lot of knowledge about the kirk allen serials and they weren't widely shown once they came out of theaters but you look back at them now yes they're they're a little goofy kirk allen had a dance background so when he would run around a superman his arms would kind of be flailing out to the side almost as, as if he were running like a ballerina would but he, he was a very graceful Superman. He, the serials also marked the first time Noel Neal played Lois Lane. She, she was Lois Lane in both serials and later more famously came back during the Adventures of Superman series. So this is the first time we saw her in that role. And this helped bring into the mainstream some of the characters from the radio show that had also come from come into the comics by this point. Jimmy Olsen made his on-screen debut in these serials. The first one was a more of a straight-up crime serial, and it was 15 chapters, but Superman probably could have ended this this threat in three. <laughs> <laughs> but he would just set – if you watch it and look at it, he just sets these elaborate traps that end up failing because the serial needs to be 15 chapters. <laughs> yeah. The second one I found a lot more enjoyable. It was much more comic booky, and it was also the first on-screen appearance of Luthor. Oh, Yeah who didn't actually get his name until 1961. But this actually was the first time we ever saw Luthor pretend to be a businessman. And this Luthor was very much the, the mad scientist Luthor. He, he would invent all kinds of crazy inventions. He would make kryptonite. He was a much more formidable foe for Superman in this serial than the spider lady was in, uh, <laughs> in the, in the first one. And I, mean, I didn't mention the flying yet. If any, any of you have watched this, when Superman flew, Kirk Allen would basically squat, and then when he, as he would stand up, Superman would become an animation. But in the in the Adam Ant serial, that was the first time they started messing around with 
a live action flying Superman. Well, that's sort of how they still do it today. Uh, just instead of like, and like sort of cartoon animation, they use CGI. So I, I well, think yeah, the animation looks a lot better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. They actually do animate it still, but it actually looks real. But yeah, so that's that's a good way to show him flying without having to have a whole lot of special effects. One thing it allowed was it. Whenever he flew in live action, it was a, it was a close up, and it was basically the same shot every time. The animation allowed him to fly within the shot of the film, as opposed to having to go to something separate. Did he have other abilities, or did he just mainly like have flying? Uh, I guess super strength. He had the basic abilities. He had, uh, you know, flight strength, his super hearing, X ray vision. He had super breath. He did. He blew out a car fire once. Oh, cool. So yeah, he had he had all of the. Uh, all of the basic powers, nothing, uh, nothing crazy. No heat. There was no heat vision yet, really. Yeah. But he had all the basic powers that people still associate with him today. So in 1951, and we already mentioned him, but uh, George Reeves was the next actor to become the Man of Steel when he started in the film Superman and the Mole Men. In the following year, 1952, he would play Superman on a more regular basis until 1958 when he appeared on the small screen series called Adventures of Superman. So, Mike, I know you uh, cover this a lot, Adventures of Superman, on your podcast. Uh, what are your thoughts about this series, and George Reeves in particular? It's odd to say, having grown up in the 80s, that I grew up with this show. But I did, because locally it was on. So, obviously I became familiar with Superman through the Christopher Reeve movies, but I would watch this too, because because it was Superman. And I liked this. There's a, there's a lot, to, lot to like in, in this show. However, you know, when you watch it now, you have to watch it through the prism of when it was made. So some of the effects look a little little hokey. When you watch it on a big screen TV, you can see some of the cinematic tricks that they would use to make things work. You can see, you see the wires and stuff like that. But, you know, at this point, you watch I kind of look for them now. And <laughs> it doesn't take away at all for, at all from the from the show. But George George Reeves was really good. He. He played a very tough golden age Superman, especially in the first season where he he didn't take any nonsense from criminals. I mean, you'd see him go around. He'd, he'd punch guys out. What was his portrayal of Clark like? Early in the show, his portrayal to Clark really didn't vary that much from Superman. He was he was a very tough investigative reporter. Like there are there are certain scenes where you watch him. and He, he will question people he's investigating very hard. In after the first season ended, because they filmed the first season in 1951 with no sponsor, so eventually they sold it to Kellogg's, who, starting with the second season, asked the show to be a little more kid friendly. I mean, if you watch the first season, there are some scary episodes in there. So, with Kellogg's asking for the show to be a little more kid friendly, Clark softened up with it. You saw Clark interact with kids more and there's even an episode where he interacted with a dog for most of the episode. <laughs> a little, little, little Marsh. So as the series went on, it became much more kid-friendly. And his role as Clark evolved with that, kind of. As that Early on, Clark was very tough. Later on, as the series went on, Clark seemed to get a lot softer. And as far, and would kind of almost become like a older brother to, to Jimmy in a way. Uh, another thing I want to point out about this show, if not for this show, I don't think Jimmy Olsen exists exists today. 
Because hmm. I think it was Jack Larson's portrayal of Jimmy Olsen that popularized the character so much that he eventually got his own Jimmy Olsen comic in the in the late 50s. So. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, I, I like his Clark. I always, uh, um, when I think of his Clark Kent, George Reeves' Clark Kent, I always think of it, he always wore a hat when he would go somewhere. So uh, it reminds me of my grandfather a little bit. My grandfather, even when he was in his 90s, wore, wore one of those hats. Uh, so, right. yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good show. I ever, actually, um, I've seen more of season one than any of the other episodes. Um, and I always, when I think about George Reeves' Superman, I, I do think about the time that he was on I Love Lucy, because I also love I Love Lucy and Lucy Ball. Um, so th- that I think that speaks to his popularity and how he was a known figure, you know, Superman and George Reeves, um, that he would be guest, you know, guesting on one of the most popular TV shows at that time. Yeah, that was later. That was, I believe, between, I want to say between seasons four and five, so somewhere around 1956, I believe. As as the show went went into its color era, and one of the reasons I think the show lasted as long as it did was the foresight of the showrunner uh, Whitney Ellsworth, who after the second season decided to start filming the show in color. And even though most TVs at the time weren't showing color, he decided to film all the episodes in color. And once color rolled around, those those episodes became well, popular and the black and white ones really weren't shown for a long time. So I really think the transition to color starting with season three is what allowed the show to have the success in syndication that it's enjoyed for decades now. Yeah, normally I would be upset that people would look down at black and white, uh, you know, stories. But I think with Superman, you almost need the color uh, just to see his suit and to see what that looks like, to see him kind of pop off the screen a little bit. Um, so I think that would make a difference. And Mike, can you tell our listeners a little bit? Uh, unfortunately, um, there's a mysterious circumstance that happened with George Reeves and his death. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what happened there? Well, in June of 59, George Reeves was, was found dead in his home with a gunshot wound. And there are plenty of conspiracy theories regarding what happened to him. He had a long-time affair with a woman named Tony Mannix, who was married to a studio chief named Eddie Mannix. So there's a story that he wanted to leave Tony for a younger woman. You know, all the stuff uh, Rebecca likes on her soap operas. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the making of a good soap opera. But I'm just sorry so, that this happened in real life. Right. So at one point, he was found dead in his bedroom. Now there. Some say he committed suicide. It was officially ruled as a suicide. There are other people who say he was murdered. So it is one of those mysteries that will never be solved. There have been a ton of books on it. The Hollywoodland movie kind of took a look at these events, and I believe it showed three possible circumstances for George Reeves' death, but it didn't uh, decide which one actually happened, as yeah. I recall. Yeah, that's right. It it has a possible... Uh, conclusions, but it never makes a a firm conclusion at the end. It sort of lets you make your own decision. And I ha- I highly recommend Hollywoodland. I think it's a really well put together movie, and it and Ben Affleck actually does a really great job at playing George Reeves. Um, I totally buy him as this actor who is uh, becoming Superman and trying to struggle to get more roles, even 
even with all of that going on. Um, and it's kind of funny to think that Ben Affleck has played both Superman and Batman. <laughs> uh, Technically, he didn't play Superman. He played George Reeves. Well, he played George Reeves playing Superman. Right. So there, Close enough. That's, that's, now, that's close. One note I want to throw in about the Avengers of Superman was when it started, the only reason George Reeves and Jack Larson took the job was because they were convinced nobody was going to see it. <laughs> so basically their agent said, you know, take the money and run. And the show stuck. And two years later, they came back for season two. Because George Reeves fancied himself a movie star. And one of the th- the reasons why people believe he committed suicide was because any movie he would try to do, he would kind of get ridiculed because people would typecast him as Superman. Mm. And the same kind of happened to Jack Larson, who wanted to do some theater. But he, he kind of became typecast as Jimmy as well. Fortunately, Jack Larson, who... He passed away about a year or so ago. He and Noel Neal, they really came to embrace their roles as Lois and Jimmy and the legacy that those roles had. So it was nice to see them. They were great ambassadors for the Superman brand over the decades. From my understanding, the adventures of Superman, they tried to keep it going even after George Reeves' death. And there were a couple of ways that they tried to do that. Um, can you explain any of that? Well, one of the initial ideas, and I believe this came from Whitney Ellsworth, they approached Jack Larson with a Jimmy Olsen series. And Superman would have been in it, but he would have been in it through body doubles and stock footage of George Reeves. Hmm. Jack Larson and George Reeves developed a, a close personal friendship during the filming of the show, and Jack was just absolutely aghast at the idea, and he was outraged, and he wanted no part of it. So they tried... Two other things, neither of this were ever aired, but you could find both of them on YouTube. One of which was Super Pup, which is basically what it sounds like. It is the Superman characters as dogs. Oh, I would watch that. <laughs> well, you, you, can, you can. It's on YouTube. Like Super Pup was also Bark Bent. <laughs> and I don't remember. I don't remember the other characters' names. Can we bring this one back? I want to. <laughs> let's add this to the CW. <laughs> Supergirl needs to have a dog named Bark Bent. Bark Bent. <laughs> <laughs> and then in 1961, there was a. They were going to try a Superboy show, The Adventures of Superboy, which starred Johnny Rockwell. Now I'm not sure why this didn't get picked up. I've actually watched this. I believe you can find this on YouTube as well. But that was actually pretty entertaining. It was not, it, nothing really stood out about it, but if it went on, I'm not sure exactly why it didn't get picked up. I haven't gotten that far in, uh, in the podcast yet. I'm still in about season two of The Adventures of Superman, but it'll be interesting to see when I get there why exactly this wasn't picked up. I guess just they shopped it around and nobody bought it. Not, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably what happened. And then from, uh, from 1966 to 1968, uh, Bob Holiday played Superman in the musical It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. <laughs> the production uh, received generally positive reviews and was nominated for three Tony Awards, but closed down after 129 performances. Uh, other productions would follow, including a 1975 ABC TV special featuring David Wilson as Clark Kent um, and Superman, uh, as well as performances in Los Angeles, Dallas, New York City. London, and most recently, Germany. Mike, have you seen any of these uh, performances of It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman? 
<laughs> well, obviously, I haven't seen Bob Holiday's performance because I was not around yet in 1966 to well, 1968. Sure, sure. <laughs> and I've seen a, a little bit of the. Uh, of the ABC TV special. You can find that on YouTube too. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I did do a search and watch a, watched a few minutes of it the other day. And it's incredibly cheesy. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it is what it is. It wasn't very uh, highly regarded in any way. I've seen parts of the musical from that ABC TV special as well. And it is cheesy on the special, I guess, any live production like that on television. Like, recently, television within the last couple of years has been trying to do those kinds of things again, to do live musicals, uh, which get lots of ratings and networks are happy about it. Um, But that special, I did find that a little cheesy. But I went back and actually listened to the Bob Holiday recording of It's a Bird, It's a Planet Superman. And his voice is so good. Here am I, the man of steel, hiding out here like a timid mouse. Why, I could lift up this whole house. But what for? They care no more. Why must the strongest man in the world be the saddest man, tell me why Don't they know The strongest man can cry He has a very nice voice, and the, the music is actually really pretty good. And... I don't know what they were doing in that special. I don't know if the special was actually indicative of what they would do on stage, but I actually prefer the recording versus what I saw um, from that ABC TV special. So we're going to put it in the Supergirl radio playlist so that if you happen to have it on shuffle or something like that, you will eventually probably hear Bob Holiday singing in there. So uh, I I would recommend it. And then Superman returned to the big screen in 1978 when Christopher Reeve made audiences believe a man could fly in Superman the movie. He would go on to play Superman three more times with Superman 2, Superman 3, and Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Uh, so, Mike, what is your experience with Christopher Reeve Superman? Well, Christopher Reeve Superman is, being born in 1980, Superman, Christopher Reeve as Superman is what I grew up with. There's a story that my parents like to tell, at least my mom, my mother likes telling this, is that during the summer of 83, my parents took, my father took me to see Superman 3 and Return of the Jedi in the same summer. <laughs> my mother tried to take me to a Disney movie. And that kind of went about as well as you would expect that to go. <laughs> <laughs> no Jedis, no Superman, so I really wasn't... Uh, wasn't interested in anything else. So apparently this is probably the beginning of where my love for Superman came from, I would guess. I've always been I've always been a fan of the character between this and starting with these films and the Super Friends cartoons were on when I when I was a kid. You know, Christopher Reeve is kind of I call him the best and the worst thing that happened to Superman. And I'm probably gonna get flamed for this, but <laughs> not not on this podcast. You're welcome to your opinion, and I, I would actually like for you to expand on that thought because now I'm very I curious. Will. Because Christopher Reeve 
despite uh, anybody's opinions on some of the the ways his character was written, Christopher Reeve nailed this role in every way. He he was the first one, maybe even the only live action actor, to convince me that Clark Kent and Superman were two different people. As good as George Reeves was, he he was never able to do that. Everything in, in Christopher Reeves' demeanor, his call it his nerdiness, his uncertainty as Clark Kent, his slouch, his the way he the way his posture as Superman, where he would stand very rigidly and deep in his voice, and conduct himself with the utmost confidence. So, in his performance, I, I was convinced he was able to convince me at least as a kid that Clark Kent and Superman were two different people. So. Nobody, I, I think, has played the role the way he did before or since. So that's what makes him the best thing to happen to Superman. What makes him kind of the worst thing to happen to Superman was that he was so good that people can't let him go. <laughs> that's true. He was great in his time, but not everything needs to call back to Christopher Reeve's performance. It, it's okay to to move on, and I believe the actor would want people to move on move on from his performances you know his performances were great those movies still still exist you know a new incarnation doesn't wipe them from existence so they're still there to be enjoyed but the christopher reeve movies the way they were made then wouldn't work today at least i don't think they would i think i think that's a fair assessment um those movies were made in the time that they were made and they uh borrowed from the comics uh, kind of what was of that hap- time. what was happening then, so yeah, it's definitely something that you know uh, you wouldn't want to put some of that stuff in modern day filmmaking or um, some of those stories because it, it it would be a little jarring. So I, I think you have a, a fair point on that, um, Carly Morgan. Um, I, I know that this is kind of the Superman a lot of us grew up with. Um, Carly, what are your thoughts on Christopher Reeve as Superman? I I do have a very soft spot for Christopher Reeve's Superman. I think part of it is I fell in love with Christopher Reeve as an actor, not even necessarily as Superman. Um, I fell in love with him doing so many other roles. I have, I used to own a VHS tape of um, the old show Fairytale Theater that used to air, hosted by Shelley Duvall. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, I love you. Um, but Christopher <laughs> Reeve played Christopher Reeve in the version in the fairy tale theater version of Sleeping Beauty played the prince, um, and so I had a totally huge crush on him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was he was probably one of my like earliest uh, celebrity crushes, which. That's like a secret that I've held on to for so long. It's, um, it's out now for all the world I know. to hear. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a safe space, Rebecca. <laughs> it is. It is a safe space. Um, but I, I would agree, though. I think I, I like Christopher Reeve as Superman and as Clark Kent because his performances as the two different characters, you really believe that they are two different people. And you believe that somebody like Lois Lane, for example, would you know, wouldn't necessarily be able to put two and two together when it comes to Clark Kent, you know, having a secret identity as a superhero. Um, I do think I, I would also agree in that. I think sometimes the tendency to draw heavily on his performance by other actors, there can be a temptation to do that. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, it's, it's hard because, 
art, some art is going to be informed by other art. And so unless you go in a completely different direction and do a completely different interpretation of Superman, there's probably going to be shades of similarity across the board. Um, it was one of those things too, where I, I got very excited um, later on in life when he showed up on Smallville and did other kind of appearances. And it was a very sad day when he was, when he passed away and is now no longer with us, but yep. He's great. Uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts on Christopher Reeve's Superman? Yeah, I loved his Superman. I think, uh, as as we've said, for for most of us, this is the one that we sort of grew up uh, grew up on, and this is definitely the Superman that I I grew up on. So when I think about Superman, you know, honestly, it's the Christopher Reeve version that I always think of first and foremost. Uh, I think it's a fair uh, it's a fair critique that like. You know, in some ways that that is a problem because we owe we always kind of he's become the measuring stick that all the other performances and everybody else who plays Superman sort of has to uh, to stack up against. And that's not really fair to everybody else uh, because his Superman was so um, was just so good, just became so iconic um, to so many people. Uh, But yeah, Christopher Reeve is uh, his Superman was great. Yeah, and uh, it, I'm, I'm Carly. I'm glad you mentioned that he had appeared on Smallville. He um, he even wrote some of the story for Superman for uh, Quest for Peace, and he he was really a champion for the character of Superman. He was very knowledgeable about the character, and he was a bit. I, I, it always came across to me like he was a fan of the character, um, even if he you know even if he never played Superman. I think he would have liked Superman. So, um, that I always really, even though now looking back on some of those movies, I, I don't care for some of the things that Superman does in that movie. Uh, uh, well in, in the first movie and I think in the fourth movie, I have some, some real issues, uh, mainly with the amnesia kiss that happens. Uh, I, I do get a little fired up about that, but I really respect his, uh, his portrayal and what he brought to the character. And I think that really propelled the character of Superman in a lot of ways. Um, and I think we should also give a shout out to uh, the actor, Jeff East, who played the young Clark Kent in Superman, the movie. He, um, he was in the movie kind of showing the progression of Clark as he goes on the journey to, to find himself and find his heritage. And um, Mike, Christopher Reeve dubbed his voice over Jeff East's performance, right? Yeah, and that's that's not all they did to Jeff East. Oh no! Tell he me also, more. He also he also wore a prosthetic nose. <gasps> I didn't and know that. A, and a wig, because he has very uh, he has he has blonde hair, blonde curly hair. Jeff East in reality looked nothing like he looked in Superman the movie, so he was made to look like a young Christopher Reeve. And yes, his Christopher Reeve didn't dub over his lines exactly. They mixed in Reeves' voice and East's voice together, or and that's how they came up with the young Clark voice. And even even though it sounded more Christopher Reeve, in, in to my ears, that's crazy. I didn't know about the uh, the wig and all that. I mean, now that I think about some of the shots in that movie, I guess it was very clearly a wig, and I just didn't notice it. Um, well, but to the I, point where, for a long time, I thought that was Christopher Reeve. Oh yeah, well he when could, I was young. 
he puts in a good performance, uh, Jeff East, because he has to play the emotion of losing Jonathan Kent and right. the decision to leave Martha and go, uh, to, and he eventually goes and builds the Fortress of Solitude. So he actually has to really play a very emotional part of that story. And I, I feel like you have to buy into his his journey and his need to find himself in order to, for the rest of the movie to work. Uh, so I, I think, you know, he did a very uh, good job in terms of uh, portraying that part of it. In 1988, Superman flew back in time to the small screen with a TV series titled Superboy. The show follows the adventures of a young Clark Kent, who is a student at the Siegel School of Journalism at Schuster University in Schusterville, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) On the the nose reference there. Uh, It ran for four seasons with two actors in the costume. The first Superboy was played by John Newton, but was replaced by Gerard Christopher in season two. So, Mike, I've only seen a few episodes of Superboy, so would you explain uh, kind of how Superboy came to the screen and and what you think about the show? Well, Superboy was the Salkind's last gasp to squeeze any money out of the Superman property. They'd already done three Superman movies, and they'd after Superman 3 failed to impress, they, they tried Supergirl, which also failed to impress. And then they sold Superman 4 to... Golden Globus, which brought us some fine cinematic masterpieces as Masters of the Universe. <laughs> hey, I like that movie. When I was a kid, <laughs> we watched it all the time. And I think that actually, that's the movie that has Courtney Cox in it, right? Yeah, it, it did. I, I liked it too as a kid. Just, just doesn't make it a good movie, though. <laughs> well, anyway. no, it's probably not a very good movie. If I watched, it was fun if for I, a if, kid. Yeah, if I watched it now, I'd, I'd probably be like, what is this? But when I was a kid, I liked and to be fair, when I was a kid, I loved Supergirl, too, um, even though nowadays you look at it and it's like, what is happening here? Um, right. Even though I still love Helen Slater's performance and the Phantom Zone is, is still one of the best parts of that movie. Um, but, yeah, so it is. <laughs> there is some nostalgia that goes along with some right. of those things. So anyway, Gold, Golden Globus was known for making movies kind of on the cheap which kind of explains why Superman 4 wound up the way it did. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that there's all kinds had left at this point was Superboy. So that was a four-season syndicated show. John Hames Newton played the role of Superboy for the first season. He was fired after the first season. The prevailing rumor was that he had gotten a DUI, but and that's what led to his firing from the show because he had a morality clause in his contract. Oh. He actually appeared. That's interesting because I. That's interesting because I mean, if you think about Superman, there I guess there are some standards that uh, an actor who plays Superman would probably have to uphold. Right. However, he did appear on Radio KAL Live a few years ago, and he said that was not why he got fired from the show. Oh, interesting. So I don't actually remember what he said happened, but either way, he was he was gone after the first season, and Gerard Christopher played the role for. Seasons two, three, and four. During seasons one and two, he was at most of the action took place at Schuster University. And seasons three and four moved away from the college campus a little bit. And Clark and Lana interned at the Bureau for Extra Normal Matters, where they investigated all kinds of strange happenings. Like that sounds familiar. Werewolf, 
It does, doesn't yes. it? And also, interestingly enough, there was a scientist on this show for, for a few episodes, one in season three, one in season four, named Dr. Winger, who invented a portal, which gave us some uh, entryway into some parallel universes, too. So. Hmm. so we got a little bit of a multiverse in this show, too, seeing alternate Superboys and things like that. Interestingly enough, Gerard Christopher was older than just than Christopher Reeve and Dean Cain when they took the role of Superman. He was 30 when he started playing Superboy, so. <laughs> it was basically Superman. They just couldn't call him that. They had the rights of Superboy, so he had to be Superboy. Do you have a preference on which Superboy was better? Are you, are you willing to take a stand in, in choosing one, or would you rather play it safe? No, because I... I just about everyone will probably say it was Gerard Christopher. And I came I came to the show in season three, I believe. So I really don't remember seasons one and two very much. I've watched a few of them, and, you know, John Hames Newton was okay, but I was just more used to Gerard Christopher in the role. So I guess if I had to pick what I'd go with Gerard. That makes sense. After Superboy ended in 1992, Clark Kent would take a year off and return to the small screen in 1993 with Dean Cain sporting the cape in ABC's Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Like Superboy before it, this series ran for four seasons. Mike, what are your thoughts on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman and Dean Cain's performance? Well, before we get to that, actually, Dean Cain was the second person cast as Superman in that show. Oh, I didn't know this. The first was Gerard Christopher. Oh, wow. However, apparently Gerard Christopher got all the way to being cast before somebody realized he had already done Superboy. <laughs> I, I guess and, back then they didn't have IMDb and all that kind of stuff. So I guess you could kind of get away with that stuff back then. Did nobody read his resume? Uh, yeah. I mean, or <laughs> did, did he not put Superboy on his resume? That is crazy. What a crazy I don't know, but story. he got all the way there, but. When they found out he was Superboy, they they fired him, and Dean Cain got the job. Ah, Dean Cain. (laughs) Let me preface this by saying Dean Cain was a very inexperienced actor when when he was cast in this show. He played football in college, and he was actually drafted by by the Buffalo Bills into the NFL. Right. However, he suffered a knee injury, which kind of, which took care of his football career. And he had his parents, his father was a director, so he tried his hand in show business, and this was really his breakout role. Now, he did a he did a good job as Clark Kent. You know, he wasn't the bumbling, nerdy Clark Kent that, that Christopher Reeve was. And to be fair, Christopher Reeve was only the nerdy Clark Kent in the first two films. The uh, Superman 3, Clark Kent was a little bit more, was more of an actual character than, than he was in the first two films. Obviously, this this was based on the post crisis comics in which, which where it kind of flipped the para, flipped the paradigm, and uh, where Clark was a real person and Superman was the disguise, so to speak. So Dean Cain was a was a great Clark, but you could tell in his performance that he was never really comfortable enough in his own skin to wear that costume. Maybe if he had done it ten years later, he he might have been a little bit more comfortable, but he never really pulled off Superman to me. He did his best, but there was there was something missing. He didn't have the uh, the ownership of the role the way Christopher Reeve and George Reeves did. 
I would agree with you. I think I prefer when I think about Dean Cain's performance. I, I usually think about his Clark Kent because I love his Clark Kent. And I um, I don't know if I've told this story on Supergirl Radio before, but I met Dean Cain several years ago, and I I was at Dragon Con and I was going to get my picture made with him, and I have my Lois Lane shirt on. I was so excited, and then I got up there and I I froze. I mean, this was just a few years ago. And I, I got face-to-face with this Clark Kent that I loved so much, and I was literally speechless. I was so embarrassed. Um, but I, I think that speaks to how much I really love his Clark Kent. And um, But I, I do think that there was something in his performance with Superman that he he lowered his voice a little bit, and he tried to be more serious and stern. So he did try to do some things to differentiate his Superman and his Clark Kent. I don't think his voice had the range that other actors' voices did, though. Sometimes when he would speak, I'd be like, "How do people not know that Clark and Superman are the same people? You know, the same people because <laughs> right. they they sound the same." Um, Carly, do you have any thoughts about Dean Cain's performance as Superman? Have you seen Lois and Clark? I actually don't really have much of a reference for his Superman um, or his Clark Kent. I do remember the show being on. Um, but I, but I also remember, I don't even remember if I was allowed to watch it. <laughs> I do remember it being on TV. Cause I remember seeing, I remember flipping channels and maybe at one point seeing him and Terry Hatcher. Like I have very, I have very strong memories of seeing like maybe even certain scenes of the show, but I always thought they had really good chemistry though. I really liked their dynamic. Morgan, uh, have you seen any of Lois and Clark? And what do you think about Dean Cain? I used to love Lois and Clark when I was younger. I I have, like, very clear memories of, like, that one episode where, like, somebody confronts Lois and they, like, she finally finds out that he's Superman. They're like, seriously, how did you not know this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have very clear memories of that, like, whatever episode that was. But, like, I loved loved the show. Tempest Fugitive. Yeah, <laughs> I loved the show. I thought it was really great. I thought he, like, like everybody said, he his Clark Kent was was so was so good and so endearing, and uh, and it probably a lot of it is like you know misty nostalgic memories. I I did revisit like the first season a couple of years ago at this point now, and I remember you know really enjoying it and being like, oh wow, like you know not all of that was you know me remembering it as better than it was. Like the show was was pretty solid and pretty fun to watch. As just you know some fun episodes of TV. I mean it's a, it's a good watch, and I think for me, I don't. So <laughs> I know this sounds bad since we're talking about Superman, but for Lois and Clark, I don't normally watch it just for the Superman stuff. Like I don't go into it like I can't wait for the Superman story. I watch it for the romance of Lois and Clark. And I think that's what the show was trying to do was trying to base it around Lois and Clark's relationship. And fun fact that I didn't know until a couple of years ago that the show was actually supposed to be called Lois Lane's daily planet. And it was supposed to be kind of Lois's show. And you sort of see that through. Oh, through. I think that makes a lot of sense actually. Like just remembering the show, it was, you know, I, I love Dean Cain and I loved his Clark Kent, but like, Please, I was all about Terry Hatcher. Yeah. Like, it was all about Lois Lane in that show for me. Like, I wanted to be Lois Lane when I was younger because of that show. Yeah, and I, I think that it really comes through in the show that, like, 
they're 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 partners. I mean, they're they're riding partners, and they go out and solve crimes and fight bad guys together. But um, but yeah, she, she she's <laughs> she's one of the things that I watch for as well. Um, so I, I enjoy Lois and Clark, even even when people badmouth the fourth season. I'm like, ah, I still like it. Even the even the frog eating clone season, I still <laughs> like it. It's still fun. I like to watch it. Well, actually, you you, you mentioned that how it was focused on the romance. This show changed showrunners after season one. That's right. Apparently, as I recall, ABC wanted more action going forward with season two. And the original showrunner, I believe her name was Deborah Joy Levine, or Levine, however Mm -hmm. it said, the ultimate endgame was for Lois and Clark to get married. But as I recall, that was supposed to be the endgame. The show would have been over after that. So I believe that was where she wanted to end the show and not... But obviously Warner Brothers and DC Comics had other ideas and uh, needed the two marriages, weddings to line up. I've always heard that the the reason that they got married, is this is this true? Maybe I'm mixing this up, but the marriage of Lois and Clark in the comics with the doomsday and the death of Superman, wasn't that like tied to Lois and Clark and the wedding on the TV show? Weren't, weren't they trying to sync everything up? Yeah, the company was. And they were originally supposed to be married in Superman 75. And, well, the story for Superman 75 is a little bit different because they had to wait for the TV show to uh, catch up to a point where they get married. The show actually is what contributed to the, the death of Superman because <laughs> all of a sudden all of their all of their planning was wiped out because they had to delay the wedding for about five years. So they were like, let's create this monster who will kill Superman. Uh- well, one of the stories is, that whenever they kill would, love. <laughs> whenever, whenever they would get into get into a get writers block at their meetings, somebody would always kind of yell out, "Let's kill him." <laughs> well, this time they actually that time they actually did. Well, you know, I mean, there are no bad ideas in brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Clark Kent uh, after after Lois and Clark, the New Adventures of Superman, Clark Kent would remerge on television in two thousand and one. Uh, not too long after Lois and Clark ended, uh, with Smallville starring Tom Welling in the lead role. The show chronicled Clark's journey from small-town high school student to Superman, eventually uh, in 10 seasons. (laughs) Um, But it did run for a total of 10 seasons, so you do get to see Superman at the end. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Smallville? Smallville is really two shows, when when you look back on it. There is seasons one through five, which was kind of Clark Kent kind of growing up, becoming a young man. And then that's kind of where Smallville ended and Metropolis started in a way, because I remember getting very frustrated with the show in, in later seasons where they'd bring in every Superman element they'd bring. They brought in Zod, Metallo, Doomsday, Apocalypse, everything. But there was still no Superman. So I remember a lot of times saying to myself, well, if you're going to make this a Superman show, make it a Superman show. But obviously they couldn't for various reasons. So I was always kind of frustrated with the fact that it tried to be a Superman show in the later seasons. I've been rewatching it a little bit by bit over the past few years. And I have more of an affection for it now, being that I know where it ended. But I just remember during the first run of the show just getting frustrated because I just seemed to – it seemed like it overstayed its welcome a little bit. 
but it was the CW's top rated show, so they couldn't let go of it. <laughs> yeah, we know the CW doesn't uh, doesn't cancel anything ever. <laughs> if, if the current if the current uh, run of Supernatural, what I th- which I think is currently clocking out at fourteen or fifteen seasons, wow. is any indication? Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Proof that the CW will never let anything just go away quietly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The CW, we cancel nothing. Um, But I watched Smallville for the first time when it first aired in 2006. My sister and I, she she was a huge, like like I had a crush on Christopher Reeve and she had a huge crush on Tom Welling. (laughs) (laughs) So we had our our Superman crushes. But... um, so we used to watch it together, and I remember, like, she was definitely way more into it than I was at the time. Um, I'm pretty sure she still has a lot of the original DVD box sets that came out. And I, I, I think I watched at least the first four or five seasons, and then I kind of fell off a little bit. So technically, I haven't really seen much past. I have... I remember them getting to Metropolis. I remember them starting to work at the Daily Planet. I remember Erica Durant's coming in as Lois Lane. <laughs> like, I have, I have, but my memories past that point are pretty, pretty blank. So, <laughs> I did, I did enjoy the early years. I was watching, I've been watching a little bit of season one, kind of here and there over the past couple months. I'm almost done with it at, at this point of season one. Um, and I think the thing that's great, too, about the show is that you see a lot of actors kind of actors that have gone on to have bigger careers on the CW or on other shows kind of got their start on Smallville. So you see actors like Jensen How about Ackles. Amy Adams. Yes, Amy, Amy Adams. Amy Adams in the, in the fat sucking episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is what the episode was about. I'm not. <laughs> terrible episode. Exaggerating. So one bad. Of the, one of the worst. One, one of, of the worst. Besides the episode with the exploding baby, which is, again, a, a real thing that happened on the show. <laughs> oh, man. But like so many, act, you know, Kristen Croik and, um, Michael Rosenbaum and Allison Mack, like a lot of actors, their, their careers kind of came out of Smallville. So it's, it's been fun to go back and revisit some of those episodes. I, I really liked Tom Welling as Clark Kent. I know when he first was on Smallville, he had, he had done a few things. I want to say he was like on, Oh, I don't know. Gilmore girls or a, a show like that. I can't remember. Was, was Providence a TV show? Like I don't know. He was on something, he, though. He, yeah, was, he was on something before Smallville, but it was like a, a smaller role. But I, I think he grew as an actor throughout the 10 seasons, and he even took uh, a step towards directing. And I, I think he did a really nice job. And I, I, I know some people didn't like that he didn't put on the tights and he didn't do the flights, but I liked... In his, you know, his his typical red jacket. <laughs> I think back in the day it was called the horrible red jacket. Um, <laughs> the red jacket and the blue shirt. I actually really liked that because he could be Superman without having to be uh, in the costume. And and for me, I, I sort of enjoyed that take on it that he could still be Superman as he was getting to that point. So I, I thought they did. Um, there were some things I didn't quite like, but there were something <laughs> good things that came out of it. And I think um, now you start to see some of uh, the things that they did in Smallville has, you know, ha- they've they've influenced other interpretations of the story, either in comics or in movies or even in Supergirl. I think you see a little bit of a Smallville influence. So I think it was a, a, 
a big uh, bridge for, uh, you know, old fans of Superman to, to new fans of Superman who are just coming to it. So I, I think Smallville in some ways, um, you know, deserves that credit. So during Smallville's run in 2006, a new Superman movie was released in theaters. Superman Returns starred Brandon Routh as Superman and Clark Kent and was directed by Brian Singer. All right, Mike, uh, this, this is some, some people have strong feelings about Superman Returns. Um, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? Superman Returns has a lot of problems, but Brandon Routh is not one of them. Mm-hmm. My problem with, with Superman Returns when it came out was it wasn't the movie I wanted at that point, at that time. At that time, it had been 20 years since Superman had been in the movies. And it's like I mentioned before with Christopher Reeve. They, Singer and company just couldn't let Christopher Reeve go to the point where they made this film a kind of a quasi-sequel to Superman's 1 and 2. You said that Brandon Routh was, was one of the strong points of the movie. What did you think about his performance? The only problem I had with his performance was what, the way they asked him to perform. They asked him to be Brandon Routh portraying Christopher Reeve portraying Superman. And I thought his best scene was when he confronted Luthor, where that seems to, to be the most Brandon Routh that we saw, where he lands on the island, challenges Luthor, he kind of demands to have what's returned to him. That was, he played his role well. But it was the way they had him play the role that I wasn't too fond of. Because whenever he tried to emulate Christopher Reeve, it just it didn't work. When he's in the plane repeating the flying is the safest way to travel line, it just it worked when Christopher Reeve did it. It just didn't work when Brandon Routh tried to do it. And Routh was another one, kind of like Dean Kane. He was inexperienced at the time, too. I believe if you gave him Superman now, he'd be a lot better than he was in 2006. And actually, I believe he had his best Superman moment on Legends, where I don't remember what was going on. But the team was down for some reason. And he gives this whole speech about how this is why we fight or whatever he was saying. And he really rallied the uh, kind of rallied the troops. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's it. That's Superman right there. Why didn't they tap that? For Superman Returns. I believe if they gave him something a little more original, some where he could have sunk his teeth into it, you know, because he, he, Brandon Routh has a lot of charm, and we've seen that in Arrow, especially when he's partnered up with Felicity. I believe if a lot of his own natural abilities would have been allowed to shine in Superman Returns, he could have done a lot better job. And he might, for all we know, he might still be Superman today with a, with a better film behind him. Uh, Carly, uh, what do you think about Brandon Routh's performance as Superman? I I remember seeing the movie and I remember liking it a lot. I remember um, liking Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor. And I do agree that I think that there was too much of a reliance on the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. And now that we've, that Brandon Ralph, we've seen him in other roles, you know, I think, I think it would be interesting it would have been interesting if he had taken on the role, you know, now 10 years later and we really could have seen him put his own stamp on it as opposed to, as opposed to trying to do an imitation of someone else. Um, so I think unfortunately that's where the movie suffers. I think 
the one of the best parts for me with Brandon Rouse Superman is um, towards the end of the movie, the big there's the big climax where um, he basically uh, gets trapped, um, and he's getting tortured by. Lex Luthor and gets stabbed with the kryptonite. Like that was probably one of my, my favorite scenes of the whole movie, just because the all of the emotion and the drama. And I remember seeing it and getting actually like really emotional about it. Um, <laughs> that scene is like, hard to watch. Yeah. I was like, he's they're hurting Superman. Um, <laughs> so I think that was one of the things that made the most for me. I don't, I don't really like his, uh, chemistry with Kate Bosworth Lois. I don't really think they, they had the, the magic spark, unfortunately. Um, I did like his Clark, but again, there, there were, there was too much of a callback to the Christopher Reeve version. So there's, there's, there's good points and there's not so good points. Morgan, what are your thoughts on Brandon Rouse? You, you talk about Brandon Rouse a lot on Legends of Tomorrow. What, what did yeah. you, what uh, did you think about him as Superman? You know what? It's been so long since I've seen the movie. And I think I went to see it in theaters. And I remember coming out of it thinking, I enjoyed that. That was not a very good movie. But it wasn't that bad. Uh, And I think that's sort of... I think people who are really, really down on that movie are maybe a little unfairly. It wasn't the world's best Superman movie. You know, but it wasn't terrible, terrible. There were some weird choices being made. I think that the idea to make it like a sequel to the Christopher Reeve Superman movies was a weird choice that really hampered the movie. Like, why would you make Superman a deadbeat dad? Like, that's a weird choice that you're making. Uh, and I think it's it's unfortunate because I feel like the script really let down uh, Brandon Ralph, who, who was good in the role, I think, and, and would have made probably a pretty good Superman for, you know, a couple of movies. It was just that that movie was, was a little bit too out there. I think, you know, to ask people to remember what happened in the Christopher Reeves Superman movies, you know, that came out 20 years before, and this is going to be a continuation is a weird choice. Like um, it was almost as if, like Mike was saying that they were so slavishly devoted to the Christopher Reeve movies that they couldn't imagine doing their own take on it. Um, and that was definitely to the movie's detriment. And I agree with uh, with Carly that the chemistry between him and uh, Kate Bosworth as Lois was just really not there. Well, and to be fair to her, it wasn't supposed to be. She was very uh, upset with him throughout most of the movie. Uh, so I, I guess I'll try to give her the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, but yeah, I, again, it's like such a weird choice to lo- relaunch a franchise with a movie that's coming out that's, you know, supposed to be a continuation of movies that came out like 20 years before. And so you've got all the baggage of those movies while you're trying to relaunch this franchise with brand new actors and, you know, what should possibly be, you know, a brand new take on the characters instead. But they got saddled with all of this, you know, three or four movie baggage. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked uh, Brandon Routh as Superman, I, I, and he was good as Clark. And I would echo that, you know, he he was trying to portray the character as Christopher Reeve did. So he was trying to do that. But uh, I, I thought I thought he did a decent enough job. And I really like the special effects in that movie. That was the first time that I really bought into Superman's flight and his, you know, his his uh, strength when he would land and and. Uh, crush the the concrete or the pavement or the ground he was on 
And um, I, the one thing that I always think about with Brandon Rouse Superman is the moment when the bullet hits his eyeball. That that's one. You know, say what you will about Superman Returns, but that moment is awesome. So was the plane sequence. Yeah, the the plane sequence is great, and the bullet hitting his eyeball. That's pretty phenomenal. I haven't seen that in any other Superman uh, portrayal, so I will give it up to him for that one. Uh, In 2009, actor Matt Bomer portrayed Clark Kent and Superman in a Toyota Prius commercial. Matt Bomer would also go on to provide the voice for Superman and Clark Kent in the 2013 animated feature film Superman Unbound. I actually did not know this. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I, I, Matt Bomer has been associated with Superman, um, whether people were trying to suggest him as Superman for something. I think he might have even auditioned for Superman uh, with the, the flyby movie that I think McGee was going to make. I, I could be wrong about that. But I want to say his name has come up before. Um, so I was glad, even with this commercial, that he actually got to play Superman because I think you know he's always been a contender does anybody have any other thoughts about Matt Bomer he's very pretty that's my thought (laughs) (laughs) he is very pretty in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel uh, the movie Man of Steel there are actually three portrayals of Clark Kent and one portrayal of Superman the youngest version of Clark Kent in the film who gets kind of freaked out by the development of his super hearing when he is at school which is kind of an unfortunate time for that to happen. Um, That version of Clark is played by Cooper Timberline. When young Clark Kent is bullied by Pete Ross and later saves a bus full of his classmates, including Pete Ross, he saved the bully, he is played by a young actor named Dylan Sprayberry. And of course... He's actually on Teen Wolf now. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the adult Clark Kent, of course, who becomes Superman to help defend Earth against a Kryptonian invasion led by General Zod is played by actor Henry Cavill. Um, Mike, what what are your thoughts about any of these, either the young actors or or Henry Cavill? What do you think they brought to the character of Superman? Well, I'll start start with two two young actors. You know, they're they're very raw. They're not as uh, refined as, as the older actors. But I thought... I thought they both did a great job, especially the the younger one. What is that? Uh, Cooper Timberline. He did a great job in that classroom scene, showing how scared he would have been if he could su- if he could suddenly see and hear all the things that he was hearing. So, I I, th- I thought he did a great job, and I thought Dylan Sprayberry did a uh, did a great job as well. He he was a little older. He seemed a little more. I don't know if I want to say tortured. But he was a little more haunted by the secret that he had had to keep, especially on the bus. But he really he really brought it in that scene where his father shows him the rocket ship in the basement and oh, the, the the barn, and uh, he asks if he can still be uh, his son. And even now, I still get a little teary eyed during that scene. I have a eight year old stepson that I don't get to see very often that used to live with us but doesn't anymore. So. Even though I don't see him as much as I used to, I still consider him my son, and I really understood what the emotion being between the father and the son there. So they really both brought he brought that very well in that scene. So I, I thought he did a, he, both young kids did a great job, and you know I've I've always said that uh, I think Henry Cavill is is a great Superman. You you see it in his real life with the charity work that he does 
And yes, the reception to both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman have been mixed. But, you know, one thing even the people who don't enjoy those films have said is they've liked Henry Cavill in the role. So I think he's uh, he's done a great job the past two films as Superman. And I believe he's going to continue to do a great job going forward in Justice League and whatever else is coming out for him. Yeah, that that is if we see Superman. I don't know. Are we going to see him? I don't know. He was kind of dead. And spoiler alert in the last one. Um, <laughs> uh, Carly, what are your thoughts on any of these actors um, from Man of Steel? Or just Henry Cavill's in general? I don't have a very uh, strong memory of Man of Steel. <laughs> which shame, is terrible. Shame on you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. The one time I remember watching it, I also remember that I fell asleep watching it. Not because it was boring, but because I was so exhausted. I like, <laughs> I like laid down on the couch to watch it, and I because it was on FX, and I and I remember um, watching Henry Cavill fight Michael Shannon, and then I just like conked out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, there were some things that I remember liking about it. Um, I love Amy Adams in the movie. I thought um, Henry Cavill, I, I I have a little bit more of a preference um, towards Henry Cavill's Clark than his Superman, but um, it's one of those movies I'm going to have to definitely watch again when I'm more awake. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan, do you have any thoughts about Henry Cavill's Superman or any of the kids uh, that were in Man of Steel? You know, I don't really remember the kids all that much, uh, which is actually when we were going through the names and you said uh, Dylan Sprayberry and I connected it to Teen Wolf. I was like, he was in that. Uh, <laughs> I only saw Man of Steel um, the one time. I didn't love it. So but I thought that uh, I think that Henry Cavill's is a good Superman. I think that he's a a. a I, I agree with Carly. I, I liked his Clark Kent maybe a little bit more than his Superman, but I think that he's good. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I think anybody who knows me at all would probably guess it. this This one is my favorite version of Superman. Um, he's kind of the, the Superman I've always wanted to see, the Superman who um, doesn't have a secret from Lois just because she's so smart she figures it out. And um, he gets criticized a lot for um, people considering him to be brooding or dark or gritty or whatever. But I think this this take on Superman is a more thoughtful Superman, and he's more uh, he's considering the world's reception of him, and he has to uh, kind of deal. Uh, Henry Cavill always talks about all, all the time about how his version of Superman, his version of Clark, has to deal with all the slings and arrows that are thrown his way. And so I, I really like his uh, his Superman, and the the kids in the movie are great. The the scene where the the young Clark uh, after he experiences X-ray vision and his super hearing for the first time and he goes into the closet and Martha has to talk him out of it. That is, it's an extremely emotional scene. And I think it's, uh, it's great for a young actor to be able to pull that off in in the way that he connects with Diane Lane in that moment. Uh, In addition to his live action incarnations, Superman has also been featured in lots of animated shorts, films, and TV shows. We've mentioned Bud Collier and Matt Bomer's animated performances of Superman, but he's also been voiced by Bob Hastings, Danny Dark, Bo Weaver, Tim Daly, Christopher McDonald, George Newbern, Jeff Kramer, Michael Dangerfield, Crispin Freeman, Yuri Lowenthal. 
Adam Baldwin, <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin, Christopher Corey Smith, Joseph May, David Louch, uh, Mark Harmon, Nolan North, who, fun fact for other Pretty Little Liars fans, who's, which is probably just me, he plays uh, Spencer's <laughs> dad on the show. Uh, David Kai, uh, or Kay, James Denton, Roger Rose, Blair Underwood. Jeff Bennett, Keith Ferguson, Travis Willingham, Mark Valley, Sam Daly, Channing Tatum, Peter Jessup, Alan Tudyk, Jerry O'Connell, and Benjamin Bratt. So lots of guys, <laughs> take it, take a breath, guys. Um, the, a lot of a lot of men have voiced him in animation, and I was curious if any of these names stu- stuck stuck out to anyone. Um, if you were surprised, because I know I was at a few of these names who have played Superman. Any any stick out to you? I was surprised by Channing Tatum. Really, Channing Tatum. I don't know. I don't know why that one surprises me the most. <laughs> yeah, he was Superman in the Lego Movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Alan Tudyk. That's surprising. I just know him as for Wash on Firefly. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, do you have any favorites uh, in animation? Any any favorite voices? Probably Tim Daly from the Superman the Animated Series. Yeah, I mean, the ones that I'm most familiar with are Tim Daly and George Newbern. Um, a lot of times they go, right. they go hand in hand. Mark Valley is a name that surprised me. Um, I love Mark Valley from... Um, he was on, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on that uh, comic book show that got canceled on Fox? Human Target. Human Target. Loved Human Target. He was <laughs> and good. Fringe. And he was good. He was good in Fringe. Um, so I was surprised. But Blair Underwood, I'm surprised by that name. So there's a lot of um, famous names in there playing Alan Baldwin, uh, Adam Baldwin, um, Kyle McLaughlin. Those are, those are some famous names. So it's a very coveted role, I think, to to get to voice Superman. And there's one that's not on here. Uh, Jason Lewis will be doing the voice of Superman in the upcoming uh, Justice League action show on Cartoon Network. That's right. Yep. Yep. So that brings us up to season two of Supergirl. Uh, Superman will be played by Tyler Hecklin. Uh, and is set to appear in the first two episodes. Um, Mike, what do you think Superman's official appearance will bring to Supergirl Season 2? Awkwardness. Yes. <laughs> what has been missing? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of an interesting time to bring Superman in. Like I always thought that if they were going to bring Superman in, they should have done it in the pilot. Brought him in, kind of had him set her off on her way and then fly off. I mean, obviously, to, we always knew he was there. So to bring him in now is kind of strange. And it's kind of by the... I'm kind of nervous about Superman coming on the show based on the way the character has been, let's say, treated in the first uh, in the first season. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I look forward to seeing uh, what kind of dynamic they're going to have. Because, yes, one thing we want to stress that this is Supergirl's show. But at the same time, Superman is supposed to be the most magnificent thing in the DC universe. So it's going to be interesting how they balance that. Carly, what do you um, expect? Do you have any hopes and dreams about Superman uh, in Supergirl season two? Well, at first, initially, I've, it's been a roller coaster of emotions for me <laughs> because initially I was excited. Um, you know, we've talked about Superman's appearances in season one, how he was basically relegated to being out of focus or seen from a distance or his boots (laughs) 
slightly over the shoulder in the DEO um, or an instant message with Kara. And so when I heard we were finally going to get Superman on screen, I was really excited about it. And then it was all anybody could talk about. <laughs> He's been in all the promotional materials pretty much. Um, and so I started to get a little worried because I, you know, it, it's, it's one thing because we know he's only going to be on for a limited number of episodes. He's only going to be in the first two episodes, at least for now. We don't really know if he could come back for even in the second season at all, potentially in the future. I mean, it seems like, you know, the, the door would be open for future appearances, but we are getting other big characters. We're getting Lena Luther. We're getting Maggie Sawyer. We're getting Miss Martian. And I feel like in terms of, the promotion they could, nobody else has been getting the same amount. And I understand part of that is the degree of Superman's popularity. You know, they're part of it is they're trying to bring more viewers to the show. So that's one way to market, you know, people um, to audiences is saying, Hey, Superman's going to be on like, you should tune in. Um, but sometimes I wish they would. I'm hoping too, that it's, it may also be because he's going to be in the in the show at the very beginning. They're trying to they're trying to promote it heavily, um, and so hopefully as the show continues, once the season starts to air, the the focus will skew more towards the other characters that are going to be introduced, at least in terms of the advertising. Um, I did. I started to go back towards excitement though when I saw the extended clip. Um, that is up on YouTube, which basically shows Tyler Hecklin as Clark Kent before getting called into action um, as Superman to help Kara's Supergirl. Um, so just even seeing that like two minute clip got me excited because um, his because his performance was uh, was pretty encouraging. So so it's been it's been a, it's been an up and down uh, series of emotions for me. I have mixed feelings. Yeah, and we actually had an email from a listener named Ricard who asked, quote, do you think that there is a risk that having Superman appear on the show will run the risk of having him overshadow Supergirl? This is something I'm worried about because, after all, he is the most iconic superhero of all time, unquote. So I think a lot of people um, share a little bit of that worry that that there's going to be more focus on Superman, but I think that they... Um, or, I mean, I have faith that they're they're gonna play it correctly and and make it more, you know, centric in terms of a Supergirl story. Um, Morgan, what do you think uh, Tyler Hecklin might bring to the role? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with uh, what, with what we've all been saying and what Carly was saying is that you know that I'm also a little bit concerned that Superman might overshadow a little bit uh, as soon as they announced that Supergirl was was coming on one of the first things I thought was like I never need to see Superman on the show like first off so I'm excited to see him on but I I also never needed this um but the way that they were working around Superman um in the first season was honestly so clunky that I feel like at this point they did kind of have to bring Mm -hmm. him on because if we saw like one more blur or pair of boots (laughs) or IMs like I was gonna I was just gonna like throttle someone um I'm excited to see Tyler Hecklin in the role I'm mostly excited to see Tyler Hecklin smile 
Uh, I've been watching Teen Wolf since uh, pretty much since that show started, and uh, he played a pretty prominent character in, on that show in the first couple seasons called Derek, uh, named Derek Hale, who like never smiled and had yep. like the worst <laughs> the worst luck in the world and uh, and like really like, like a really terrible dating life. So I feel like this is like the universe's way of giving back to Tyler Hecklin. <laughs> like you you were shirtless for four years, cold in the woods, running around, <laughs> grumpy. No wonder he was grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) He he had like the grumpy cat face for just like for years and years. Now you can fly through the air and smile and have a healthy relationship. So I'll be excited to see like uh, my only familiarity with Tyler Hecklin is from Teen Wolf. So I like almost have never seen him smile. So I want to see him play like a more upbeat character. Um, So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm really excited about getting to see uh, Cal or Clark's interactions with Kara because one of my favorite things about Supergirl is her relationship with Superman in the comics or even on Smallville. Their family dynamic is one of my favorite parts because they are all each other really has in terms of biological families. So I, I think that's an important thing for Supergirl um, to know that she's not alone in, you know, being a Kryptonian or at least being a good Kryptonian who is not evil and wanting to take over the world. So um, that I think is what I'm most excited about is um, how they interact as cousins. <laughs> well, I nerdy cousins, nerdy cousins. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Superman. Uh, Mike Zumo, thank you so much for coming on Supergirl Radio to help us learn more about Kara Zorel's cousin. And um, how can people find you on the internet? Well, I am the host of the Man of Screen podcast. Like you mentioned, I am indexing Superman's on-screen appearances, starting with the Fleischer cartoons in 1941 and going straight through uh, well, as far as I can go. Right now, I'm in the second season of The Adventures of Superman. And from there, I'll be going on to the Filmation cartoons, maybe the Super Friends, the Christopher Reeve movies, and on and on and on. You can you can find me at manofscreen.podomatic.com. And the show has a Facebook group. You just put in the uh, the Man of Screen podcast into your search feed, and uh, you'll find the group. And a whole bunch of us get in there, and we just talk talk Superman all the time. So, And you can email me at manofscreen at gmail.com. And the show is on Twitter. At Man of Screencast. And obviously, you can also find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Well, if you would like to contact us at Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely go there and check out our playlist. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we're part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, <laughs> the DC films, and now classic DC TV shows, they keep adding more. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to like just like faint in the middle of this now. Uh, subscri- <laughs> subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. And as a note, actually, 
uh, Carly, Rebecca, and I are all very tired tonight because last <laughs> night we were up late at podcasting with a, a group of really, really cool ladies um, for the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which I also um, co-host. And we did like a huge roundtable. We had 11 people on um, talking about the ladies of the DCTV um, universe. It's a very cool episode, I think, that you guys would all like, especially since you like Supergirl. And she was prominently featured as, like, one of the best ones. So uh, you can check that out on the uh, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast feed. And uh, you can find me. I, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from social media because I, I do this every now and then. I, I might take a really long break. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, but I, if you want to follow me on social media, the only thing I'm doing now is Instagram because I feel like that's a safe place for me. I take pictures and post them on the Internet. Um, so if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, you can go to Instagram.com slash the Derby Kid, T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. The only social media I'm really on is Twitter. <laughs> so you can find me there at my name, Carly Lane. Um, I'm weekend editor over at the Mary Sue, which you can visit at the And when this episode comes out, I will be gearing up to go to New York comic con. So if any Yay. of our listeners are going, you should totally hit me up on Twitter and I will say hi. Yay. I want to say hi to you, Carly. Cause okay. I will also be at New York comic con. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, Hopefully we can uh, we can hang out there. I'm very excited. I'll be, je- I'll be jealous. I'll feel left out. <laughs> we'll FaceTime you. <laughs> yes. Oh, we'll Skype yeah. you from our. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that happen. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can find my writing on Buddy TV. Some of my uh, Comic-Con coverage from San Diego Comic-Con um, is starting to trickle on there as the uh, the show premieres and stuff uh, have been coming up. And I've got some, uh, some interviews from the Legends of Tomorrow um, press room that should be, you know, popping up there pretty shortly. So if you're into that show, if you're into that show... This leads right into my next plug. Uh, I'm also a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, also on the DCTV podcast family. Um, so you should check that out. Um, I also recently did a, um, a podcast called Headcanon. Um, if you guys like Pretty Little Liars like I do and uh, will <laughs> recognize the name of the actor who plays Spencer's dad, um, you'd probably love the uh bros watch pll2 podcast and they do a like companion podcast that's going through um movie franchises so the movie franchise that they're going through right now is the cinematic masterpiece known as twilight <laughs> uh i was on their recent episode about new moon uh and things got real so <laughs> you should check that out because it was actually a very very funny uh podcasting experience just a bunch of us wondering what we had just watched <laughs> yeah I, I enjoyed the first First Twilight movie uh, with the vampire baseball. Um, so I'll, oh, de- yes. I'll definitely have <laughs> to check that out. Well, if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember that no hero can save everyone. Not even Superman. But a real hero never stops trying.
mean, it was terrible, but it was awesome! I dreamt of this moment. Both of us teaming up. You didn't tell me that you know Clark Kent. I'm with her. I have anything in my teeth. <sighs> Your cousin smells terrific. Enough. This is my cousin, Superman. I have a million questions. How, how do you shave? In order to live, we must keep daring. We're moving back to Gotham. Doesn't bother you that I got top credit on this one, does it? Not even a little bit. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The season two premiere is called The Adventures of Supergirl. A very uh, appropriate title. Uh, the official description says, quote, when a new threat emerges in National City, Kara slash Supergirl teams up with her cousin Clark Kent slash Superman, uh, guest star Tyler Hecklin, of course, to stop it. Kara is thrilled to have family in town, but it leaves Alex feeling a bit left out. Meanwhile, Hank and Supergirl are stunned by the pod that came crashing to Earth, unquote. Uh, I don't know why they're stunned. Uh, the CW announced who it was. I mean, do they not know? Um, uh, so what does everybody think about the description or uh, kind of what uh, you think is going to happen in Adventures of Supergirl, the season two premiere? Um, Mike, uh, do you want to offer any thoughts? One thing about the that I'm curious about is, Obviously, we've seen the clip of them saving the shuttle, and I'm guessing that's kind of the impetus for bringing them together. So whatever the threat they're teaming up to um, to face, I hope it's a threat that's worthy of both of them and that she's not going to save him from something or, or vice versa. So like I said, I'm hoping the threat is big enough that it warrants both of them. What I am really am excited to see is I'm, Looking forward to see what kind of relationship they, they have because we really don't know anything about their relationship. All we know is that she crash landed, he dropped her off, and that was kind of it. So, so like, like like I mentioned before, he might be bringing a little bit of awkwardness. This can be very weird for Alex, who's had Carl for the past twelve or so years, you know. And then here comes Su- Superman, who lives in the same world that Kara does. Yes, yeah, yeah, they function as sisters, but. At, there's a whole part of Kara's life, the flying, the powers, all of that, that she can't be a part of no matter how hard she tries. So it'll be interesting to see how she reacts to that. And we mentioned concern about whether Superman is going to overshadow Supergirl. And I think they're kind of addressing that with all of the star starstruckness we're seeing in all of the characters when he come when he comes in. So and just hopefully it'll be Hopefully it'll be done, done well enough that it, that he won't over, overshadow her. Although I will say one thing about the, the trailer we saw. They seem to double down a little bit on some of the silliness. I'm hoping it's not as – just the characters seem a little out of character, but hopefully that'll just go away after a few minutes. Yeah, and I think that's probably just promotional materials trying to play up a, a certain theme or a certain tone. So I, I think we'll definitely – it sounds like we'll we'll get to see a threat and we'll we'll get to see some danger. So uh, I, I think that'll be very exciting. Carly, uh, what most excites you about this description? 
they didn't forget about the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we knew they they weren't going to forget about the pod. Um, but my theory is that because we talked about this in the Metallo episode, we know that he's going to show up and he's going to fight Superman and Supergirl. So I don't know if that's going to come into play mm. in the first episode or the second one. We don't know that yet. Um, because Tyler Hecklin is going to be present for the first two episodes, not just the pilot or the premiere rather. So I wonder if Metallo is going to be the new threat. Nice. That's my, that's my guess my educated guess based on previous information. That's a pretty good speculation. One I had not thought about, uh, Morgan, what, what's exciting to you about this episode description for adventures of Supergirl? Uh, I'm just excited to see, um, Carr's relationship with, uh, with Clark and see sort of how they interact with each other. I'm also kind of excited to see, um, that they're not leaving out Alex, you know, all of the promotional has really been, you know, Superman's going to be on the show. Superman's going to be on the show. Um, but when I read this description, I'm like, okay, that's a Supergirl that I love. Like, this is the show that I love because they're not just bringing him onto the show to sort of like stunt cast. It's also going to have some ripple effects for, you know, the sister relationship that's kind of become the heart of the show. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, that was one of the things that stuck out to me with this description as well is that Alex um, is going to have to, you know, face her 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 adoptive sister and her very 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 famous cousin. So I I think that will be something good for Kyler Lee. I think that'll be uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how she plays that and what that involves in terms of the Kara Alex relationship. Because uh, I do agree that that's one of the the best parts about the show. So I'm glad that they are making a point to say that that, that would make a difference to Alex and uh, it would uh, impact her in a certain way. I'm glad that there's at least one person who's not crazy that Superman shows up. <laughs> like, from, I mean, from the, I mean, from the trailer, it's like everybody's excited about, you know, about Superman, like Cat Grant's all doing a little dance in her office over Clark Kent, <laughs> like telling Cara, she's like, you didn't tell me you knew Clark Kent. And then Wynn's like, oh my God, how do you shave? And like, <laughs> You know, I, I think it. I think it's good that well, Alex didn't least, comment on how great he smells. She did say that, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure is not a lie. I'm sure Superman smells great. Um, but I, I do appreciate the fact that there's going to be at least one person that's kind of not crazy about him being around. I feel like that that makes it a more interesting scenario. That seems pretty fair and balanced, I would guess. You have some people who are crazy about him and some people who are um, having a hard time with it. So I think I think that's a very um, good way to look at it because that's probably the way some people are viewing the show with Superman on it. Some people are probably really excited and some people are probably really worried about it. So uh, I, th- I think um, all of this sounds really good. Looking forward to the cousin dynamic. I am excited to find out what's happening. I mean, we kind of already heard who was in the pod, um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what what the con- consequence, what you know, what the fallout with the pod situation is going to be, and how they handle that. I kind of forgot who was in the pod already, and I'm just not going to look it up. Don't look, again. and we're not going to tell you, so you're just <laughs> going to have to be surprised. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna. I'm just going to maintain my ignorance. It's a, it's a blissful place. <laughs> That's a good place to be. 
Well, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.